Hi, Connect Church. Uh, my name is Craig, and just now you're going to be hearing from my wife, Cindy. It's really good to be with you today and uh, for us to just visit with you. And we want to obviously acknowledge that there's the decision that the church needs to make. But today we want to come to God's word, to maybe far more significant, as it were, decisions. Decisions about letting God make himself fully known and present in our lives. So won't you pray with me as we just invite him to pull us close to him. Lord Jesus, you, you call those first disciples that they might be with you. And this morning, we ask for the same grace. That as we hear you calling us through your word, that we would respond to the God who wants us near. To the God who wants us to walk with you. And to the God who has promised, I will never leave you, never forsake you. So Connect Church, I bless you to know, even as you listen to God's word, to the scriptures read, that your hearts will come alive to the God who is with you. Amen. So I'm going to take a reading from uh, Matthew chapter 4 and start in verse 18. We're going to be talking about stopping for the one, which was a, a ministry method that Jesus had. Matthew 4 verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those who were suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. And large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So our message today has three givens based on the life of Jesus. The first given is this, that Jesus' ministry was the overflow of his relationship with the Father by the presence, power, and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so he carried this knowledge and experience of their love. And there was this identity that echoed in him because of the father's voice. You are my son. I love you. I am so pleased with you. 
And those words were made real by the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit coming and resting upon Jesus. John says the Spirit came and remained on Jesus. Given number one. Number two, we want to learn to do ministry as Jesus did with as little discontinuity between his example and instruction and our ministry. So we want to develop a ministry model that carries into the encounters with people the kind of faith that Jesus carried for ministry. Given number three, Jesus treated everyone he encountered as someone made in the image of God, made to know God, made to reveal God, made with the icon and inscription of God impressed upon them and declaring for all time that every person has since Genesis 1, the potential to bring God's governance, God's will from heaven to earth and represent this new kingdom among us. And because of these givens, as they come together, we will see this time and again. Jesus will stop for someone. Jesus will stop for the one in the middle of vast crowds and literally change a life for time and eternity. And so we, in our reading, for example, he stops and he calls Peter and Andrew into a new life of discipleship, of being with him, of following him. And he says, you'll fish for people. And so too, James and John, one moment working the trade with their dad, the next day walking into a new destiny known and purposed by God long before. Now, he has the key thing. The key to the crowds that flocked was not that Jesus sought the crowds. The crowds sought him. The key to the crowds that we read about again and again was the value and the importance and the priority that Jesus gave to the person in front of him. One person at a time. So at our church in Pinelands, we've called us stop for the one. Stop for the one. For example, the house of a Pharisee where there's a busy dinner party going and a woman comes up to wash Jesus' feet and everyone takes offense. Jesus arrests the conversation with a question and he says to the Pharisee whose home it is in Luke 7 verse 44. And it's interesting, it says, he turned to the woman. So he's looking at the woman, <laughs> but he says to Simon, He's not even looking at Simon. His eyes are captivated by the person in front of him. And he says, Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? In her town, she was infamous for her failures. Jesus is about to change her life forever. In stopping for her, seeing her, Jesus is declaring again over her life that this person is the outworking of God's breathtaking creative plan and redemptive purpose. And Jesus would, person after person, in that moment of ministry, 
flowing out of his attentiveness to the Father and the Spirit and knowing that the imprint is on this person. Break the destructive power of the fall. Undo the curse of whether it was sickness or suffering, as we read in our text, rejection or injustice, demonization or dehumanization, and restore life as God intended. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. But what would then happen is that the power of that encounter, of that story, would unlock ministries again and again to whole towns, regions, and crowds who were present. So if we are going to unlock our community, if we're going to unlock our church or city or region or gathering, we must learn to do what Jesus did, which is to stop for the one. You see, it's in the context of vast crowds that Jesus is walking and people are pressing in that Jesus discerns that anointed power has just passed through him. And he stops to find and affirm a woman who had just reached out and touched his cloak. And when she's too afraid, he deliberately examines the crowd to be able to find the one. The one who reached out in faith. Verbally, he affirms her faith. But in practice, he also affirms her value. Jesus stops under a sycamore tree to reach out to Zacchaeus. He stops to, uh, to one man at a tax table, giving this man, Matthew, the man who'd given up on being good, quite honestly the opportunity to begin a new life. He stops for Bartimaeus, a blind man calling out beside Jericho Road. He stops for a self-harming, demonized man. He stops for a widow and raises her dead son. He stops to talk to an outcast woman at a Samaritan well. He stops, even his preaching, for a paralyzed man lowered through the roof to his feet. And declares his sins forgiven. And heals his broken body. You see, Jesus stops for the one for at least four reasons. First is, say it again, to affirm the value and love that God has for every person. God's love is not just a theory or a nice thought. It's an encounter. Rooted both in creation, he made you, and in redemption, in Jesus, he saves you. He stops for the one, also number two, to multiply ministry and make it transferable. Anyone can stop for one. Everyone can stop for one. You don't need a church service with a band in the background. You don't need a YouTube channel. You don't need to be ordained. You don't need anyone's permission. You can stop, show love, invite God to come and let ministry flow. We multiply ministry and make it transferable. Jesus stops for the one thirdly to manage and shift the faith environment in a given situation and place time and time again. We Chaos reigns or there's a problem or whatever. Jesus stops for the one where there's grief or loss or doubt or demonization 
and focusing on the one person made in the image of God in a world full of sorrow and pain. Jesus has faith for that person and that person leads us to point number four. When he has ministered to them, the unlocked power of their story and testimony becomes a promise and a prophecy to everyone else. If this is what God can do for them, this is what God can do for me. And the people hear one story and it activates, it changes the faith environment, point number three, and it unlocks the power of the story for everyone else, point number four. I remember seeing this in a small group in our church. We were just launching a small group and we were coaching, as it were, some of these ministry principles into this space. But someone was very new and, and they came for the first night, their first night. And folk were just generally introducing themselves and answering the question, how are you? And our guest happened to be one of the first to go, I think, just after uh, the leader and then someone else went and then another person did. But they actually answered the question, how are you? And at that time, it wasn't great. And because we stopped for the one, when someone shared something that was meaningful and personal and can be a joy or it can be a challenge or whatever, just in the sharing, stopped and began to minister and pray into and speak life and prophesy. And then that came to a natural point of closure. And then we went to the next person in the circle and they shared something. And I think, I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, it was a challenge they were facing with uh, aspects of raising children. And the tea, you know, the group just stopped for the one. We didn't have to solve the world's problems. We just stopped for this one and prayed with them. And we'd been going for a while at that stage when the first person who was our guest said, wait a minute, I, I did not realize what I was being invited into when you asked me how I am. I need to tell you that a year and a half ago, my son was murdered in our home. And I need your help. And today that person and the group stopped and ministered and loved. We couldn't solve everything. But we could give ourselves to Thelma in that moment. And today Thelma leads the grief share ministry of our church. And does an amazing job of stopping for those who, like her, have suffered loss. We see this again and again in Luke 4, Capernaum, Jesus heals Peter's mom. By sunset, it's got the whole town coming for ministry, stops for the one, unlocks the faith of a people, and stuff happens. In Luke 5, 6, the pattern repeats all around Galilee. All kinds of faith environments are unlocked as communities are touched. And each is preceded by an encounter with a single person, whether it's covered in leprosy uh, 
or uh, someone with a shriveled hand in the synagogue. And Jesus stops to value, heal, and love. And a few verses later, we then read, and he went down with them and stood in a level place, and a large crowd of his disciples were there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, Jerusalem, the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him. Why? Because power was coming from him and healing them all. Remember, he ministered out of relationship, out of the connection he had with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. So what do we take away? Number one, we minister out of being loved, out of being filled. We minister, like Jesus, out of being loved, out of knowing that God has stopped for us, out of knowing God wants to heal us. See, if we had to go to Luke's gospel, for example, we can start in chapter 2 all the way through chapter 6, which is taking us through these first times as how Jesus is coaching them in the how-to of mission of God. Jesus spends time in worship and prayer, and he returns again and again to the Father's love and his wisdom, and he welcomes and receives and lives in the Holy Spirit's presence and ministry. So in chapter 2, verse 49, he says to his parents, you'll find me in my father's house. In chapter 3, verse 21, his baptism opens heaven and the father's words of love are spoken and the spirit's presence and power comes. In Luke 4, it begins with Jesus alone praying and fasting and then he overcomes the enemy. But the chapter ends with Jesus alone and in solitude. Chapter 5, we read in verse 16, 15 and 16, news about him spread all the more. Why? Because he kept stopping for the one. So the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed. And Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You see, we minister out of that place of love, of connection and relationship. Luke 6, verse 12, he climbs a mountain. He spends the night praying. Why? Because so much life needs to flow into him so that it can flow out of him. And so he cultivates his experience of and connection to his Abba Father and to Holy Spirit. And the glorious thing is that we get to do the same. You see, ministry flows, step one, out of being loved and being filled I'm going to ask Cindy just to come and help us land this in kind of some practical ways uh, as we stop for the one. Hi. See, we get to do this every day in our everyday life. I remember going to our local pick and pay, and it's always inconvenient, rushing in to try and get stuff for supper and seeing someone who came to our church years ago and just stopping and saying, how are you? And then she burst into tears and said, my husband's just been retrenched. And as she's telling her story, saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to her? See, I'm great at listening to people's problems and almost agreeing with them, which doesn't always help them. And now I get to go, can I pray for you? And bless her and speak over her and into her situation. So I always battle with that transition of being listening and walking with and almost like joining in the sorrow. But I want to take it further. I want to kind of lead the people I'm with to Jesus. Stopping for the one helps me to do just that. 
I worked in a bank for a long time. And every day the imam from the local mosque would wait for me. And he'd come with his bag of coins, which was a nightmare to count. But it gave me time to talk, to ask, to inquire after. And we'd been doing this for a year. He'd come in and he'd wait for me. And then one day he got sick. And he said, I've watched and I've listened and I've noticed. And I want you to pray for me. Stopping for the one. It's never, ever convenient, but it's so worth it. Just this last week, having a young man come into my office and say, Cindy, I am making wrong decisions time and time and time again that are messing up my life. And I could have gone and I, I did start with, well, only you can change that. But I don't want to give you man-made solutions. So let's just stop and ask Holy Spirit, what is it that you're telling me? What is it you want me to do? And how exciting is he discovered and heard God for himself in that moment? Shape ministry, by the way, we stop for the one. For me, ministry is life. It's where I am in Philippi or where I am in leading a small group, a life group. So often our life groups can become support groups where you know how it goes and COVID has given us such a wonderful opportunity to hear each other's stories. But that can almost de-escalate so quickly. We sit in a circle and, and someone shares their need. And then the next person shares their need. And then the next person shares their need. And I'm kind of just deflating. I'm kind of, this is too much for me. Can I encourage us to kind of go back to where Craig talked about that life group earlier. And let's pray for the one. See, I only then need to trust, to listen, to have faith for the one. And then I can pause and I can listen intently to the next one and minister to them. And it's amazing how that faith builds rather than kind of just going, I'm overwhelmed. Because truly right now we all are, we're all struggling. But that very struggle opens opportunity up for us to minister and to stop. So as we walk in being loved, knowing our identity, and we just spill that wherever we go, it's simple, it's not complicated. We just get to do what Jesus did. So won't you come and pray with me? Let's just wait on God. So come Holy Spirit. Just to hear those words, you are my child and I love you. Can you receive that? In that identity, I bless you to know that you have been made in God's image. That your very design, created by God, is very good. That your value saw Jesus leave heaven to die for you, to reclaim you, 
and restore you. That his plans for you will make you flourish. That he has firmly purposed to reveal himself to you and through you. So let it be. Connect. May you be creative in just walking step by step with Jesus in obedience. Learning to be loved by him and to love through him. Amen. Amen.